Hey, everybody. Hi. Hey, hello. God, I'm so bad at starting shows. Hey, welcome to another glorious episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I am Jeff May, and I have cool friends. That's very exciting. I'm very, very stoked to have my next cool friend on here. He is a stand-up friend of mine. We go way, way back. He is the world's foremost satirist who has written for television, theater, the internet, and now his website, According to his website, he is also just one of my favorite people and one of my reasons I ever traveled down to San Diego. Give it up for Dallas McLaughlin, everyone. Wow, man. What a nice intro. Thank you so much. You Thank wrote you. most of it. I, that, that is correct. I, I yeah, I did. I did send you an EPK, didn't I? You, you, yeah, there was a, you sent me a cover letter. No, I, I went onto your website to check it out, and it's interesting. You you don't give yourself enough credit on your own website, but yeah, I don't. I, I you know I'm really bad with that. That's like the the part of this industry that I've never really latched onto is making sure that people know that I'm at all relevant in anything. Okay, so also same. Yeah, like, shameless self promotion. I find not only difficult but also embarrassing. Yeah, and. I do think there's a disconnect. I think it's generational. I think ours I might be that last generation that spent most of our formative years without the internet. Yeah. Not social media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were conditioned to be different. Anytime I'm like emailing or messaging somebody about like, hey, like, can I jump on this or jump on that? It doesn't matter what it is. It's like. I, I just, I get like a weird feeling, like I'm bothering them. It's really hard. And yeah, or even if like I used to, when I started stand up and, and, you know, got a little bit of a name for myself in San Diego, I would show up at shows all the time and just pop in just because I was like, ah, why not? You know, I'm just swinging dicks here. You know what I mean? And it felt great. And now for me to do that would be, I would probably sick to my stomach. Like I'd feel awful. Yeah. Yeah, I like think I, with age too, that does come, I guess, a little bit. I am, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am 27. And the humility did, of the a humility father. No, the, of a father. I was going to say, I don't like to make generalizations about generational gaps and differences I, because it's like, oh, the kids today. And it's like, no, that's not real. Like kids have always been this way, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But I do think we do have that line of demarcation with millennials and specifically elder millennials that you know i didn't have the internet until i was 13 or 14 and yeah. even then it was like dial up so yeah. there, it, it wasn't the same so we didn't really put ourselves out there so anybody that has that confidence was usually someone that did theater or something mm -hmm. like that but now that confidence is in a lot of of the current generation because why would they know anything differently? It, it's it's in a lot of people who definitely don't deserve it or need it. <laughs> That's for but, sure. <laughs> sure. But like, it's not that they're wrong for being that way. No, no. It's, it's just they're different than how we grew up. And well, we, I, I mean, I was a parent. I mean, you know, I have two kids and it's a constant fight my wife and I have with the world is like, keeping her but well my youngest is two so it's not an issue yet but my oldest is nine it's like keeping her off social media and then keeping her off devices and then going well but if we do that she's going to be behind because it's not like computers are going anywhere yeah. so it, it's that constant thing of like in her school she uses you know ipads and computers all the time it's like basically how they do everything so we can't not let her be on something because then she won't understand it but then where do you draw that line 
like it's just such a mess dude it's so hard there was an onion article i think it was from years and years ago but it was it was cool dad introduces daughter to music that will alienate her from the rest of her years (laughs) it was like a dad giving his daughter like a talking heads lp or something like that yeah and it's like yeah it's hard like if you don't allow children to grow up the way other children of the time are they are going to be a little bit off yeah i guess well but how much do you have to give in to that too you know yeah i mean like we there's we don't allow her to be on social media and won't for quite some time even though she has friends who are on social media that are her age and i'm like we're like we don't care like we don't care yeah you're like you're nine yeah you're nine you're not gonna do it you don't even understand it you're not even in double digit at this point in time (laughs) the other day she was like can i get a snapchat and i was like you may not no, like that no, is the no. that might be the last one you could get. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to be the like you can't date until you're eighteen. You, you, know, you can't yeah. be that guy, but at the same time, you're like, I don't want you to get kidnapped, dude. I kids mean, are even smart. Kids are dumb. Yeah, like, like kids are kids are, are they're pretty stupid and gullible because they haven't learned that the world is awful. Yeah, well, and I try to explain that to her. You know, like, it's not me being mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to literally protect you from some 45-year-old man asking you for nudes. Like, that's yeah. all I'm trying to do. And, like, she, like, I haven't said that to her. But we try, we elude that, and she doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like, there's just nothing. She doesn't live in a world yeah, like, where how do you any of that? that has been a part there, of it. There are people out there that actively want to harm you. That's what we say. And... This is how they're going to do it. Yeah, they're going to try to do something weird. Well, no, it's a private account. Or like, doesn't matter. Any pictures you take, don't go away. They're always there. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like everything all this is stuff. permanent. That's the thing that I think people forget about the internet is everything is permanent, including the shit that you delete. Except for Friendster, I can't find anything from Friendster. That's the only thing I think. It's not really deleted. That was they a, got deleted. Up the I gotta be honest, that didn't happen. That's why. Oh, okay. It's like the yeah. Bernstein Bears and the Bernstein. You've been Mandala, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Friendster never happened. It, it was just you. You remember MySpace and Napster at the same time, and you were like, "That must be Friendster." What yeah. What's funny is, I yeah, you're right. Like no one remembers Friendster. Like when like you can, I can make that joke, and no one in the room will get it. Not even people who are my age. And I'm like, you had a Friendster page. Like, yeah, how are you? It's forgotten. It is forgotten. It's like trying of time. to remember the movie Baby from the 80s and you're like you remember it's that movie it was like pretty popular where the people had the dinosaur and they were walking around with it they found a baby dinosaur yeah no that didn't happen and you're like no i swear to god that happened yeah yeah it's definitely i mean like it was a big deal friendster to me was a big deal i remember liking friendster so much that when myspace came out i was like this is stupid like i hated myspace just because it was new just because it was new and then i I was that way with facebook yeah I was like, MySpace is the way to go. And then Facebook hit and I was like, ah. and then Twitter came out and I was like, yeah, I was, the energy I, I, for this. I was dating a girl and we broke up right when Facebook became accessible to everybody, you know? So I forget when that was, but before, after they did the college only thing and then like they 2005 moved or something like something like that. And, and, and we broke up and then I saw her post that she was going to go to Facebook. And I think that played into me hating Facebook. So it's <laughs> like, well, if she's going to Facebook, man, screw it. Facebook's for whores. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's she a rough time. That's a bad time to be. In yeah, it. I was really angry and I was really mad. And then, of course, you know, a month later, joined Facebook and tried to friend her. 
you know, it's oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, dude. I yeah. actually reconnected with my let me I, I don't know how to say this because like the wording, the correct wording is going to be confusing. I went to high school with my ex-wife. She was a year below me. We didn't really talk. We connected or reconnected, however you want to say it, on MySpace. Really? Oh, hey, it's it's you. You know, how have you been? Blah, blah, blah. And we were both kind of like, oh, this person got kind of hot. All right. <laughs> and like, and, you know, we had gotten, you know, and so people were like, and then MySpace died pretty quickly after that. Like okay. MySpace just disappeared. So mm -hmm. people would be like, well, how did you guys? You know, how'd you guys reconnect? And we were like, don't don't ask the question. And because we can't undo that the reason we got married was because of MySpace. That is so funny. And dude, the the preacher brought it up at the wedding. And I was like, All right, dude. Was the was the preacher Tom from MySpace? Was he super excited? <laughs> Bags of money. <laughs> so happy. why do I even do this? I'm so rich. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I met my wife on Facebook. Really? That's how we met. Yeah, yeah. We met. We were had a mutual friend, and uh, I was uh, drunk and creeping. I, I, yeah, a hundred percent. And I was looking at my friend's pictures, and uh, I saw this girl in the pictures, and I thought she was super hot. And I was like, you know, this is early thirties. I'm bachelor at the time, and I was just drunk and on Facebook. So I did what any hero does, Jeff. I I blindly messaged her. I need this to be a message to all of my listeners here be a creep it pays off it pays it off does. so hard it pays off so hard um, sometimes it can really work i listen she she sussed it out immediately that i was kind of a weirdo and well, then sure she, you are but you're also a creep that has like like a work background which is huge. yeah well um, that's the thing she did google me and that helped my case that's fair. That doesn't work the same for me because the most famous Jeff May prevented a school shooting. And what you prevented a school shooting? I sure didn't. I sure oh. didn't. But <laughs> you know who say, did? I feel like a I different Jeff May. That's so great. I was like, I feel like I would have known that if you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shooting. no, but it sure did get brought up on a lot of first dates. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, try not yeah. being him. Yeah, no, I do. I literally talk about it on stage where I'm like, try not being him. Did you just start saying that it was you on dates? No, because that's going to, if you get a second date, you're going to have to come clean about how you stole some uh, valor from a teen hero. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Oh, is that the dude who like tackled the shooter or something like that? He was. Yeah, that's kind of what he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Now yeah, I, big guy. I think he took a bullet too. Ugh. Well, he as long as at least we neither of us have kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good time. Um, but yeah, yeah, so she probably Googled you and found out that you were kind of instrumental in launching two very popular sort of like indie adult slash children's shows. Yes. Because you wrote on the pilot of both the Aquabat Super Show and Yo Gabba Gabba. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, like I was in a band for a really long time and uh, I actually tell a story about it on my new album about that band because people always ask about it. <laughs> we can go into it later if you want. But Your uh, punk band, it's a punk band in quotes. If you listen to us, you would never think we were punk because we were bad like credit. Old, yeah. Bad credit because we were old school hip hop. Oh, like call and response hip hop. But we had a live band. So we would play every genre on stage like ska, punk, That's hardcore. Yeah, ska punk, Country ska punk, western, ska core, punk core. Okay. 
Exactly. Uh, and we just had a lot of fun. Everything we did was for fun for, to party and cause fights. And we connected with the Aquabats on a show in San Diego and they really liked us. And they were like, Hey, you want to come tomorrow night and play with us in Pomona? And we we're like, sure. And then we played the next night in Pomona with them. And then that was like, yeah, we were touring with them for years. Really? And yeah, they, we just connect, like, you know, you just had a lot of fun. It was like, they're is just, that, is that a sustainable job? Touring? Touring the with them as a band, as an opening band, like, is that financially sustainable? If you live by yourself, if you live with roommates and you have no other thing to worry about except for yourself and your rent, then yes, it is sustainable. Okay. And it was for a couple of years. It was great. It was, I mean, it was very fun. It was some of the most fun I've ever had in the world and in my whole life. But like they, at the time I had been writing sketch comedy and they were like trying to work on the Aquabat super show and they wanted to make a cartoon. And so they were like, Hey, you know how to write a script. And I was like, yeah, kind of. And then we connected and we started writing scripts for the cartoon of the Aquabat super show. And that kind of lost steam and then one day we sit down in a cafe in Anaheim and uh, they go, hey, do you want to, we're working on this other show. It's called Yo Gabba Gabba. We would love for you to help us write some music for it. Because if you, if you ever watched the show, you can tell pretty quickly that all the music is like very early hip hop based music. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it has that very like fun, like clap your hands, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Everybody exactly. clap your hands. Yeah. All, it's all like early run DMC, like cool moody kind of feel to it. And, uh, and Bismarcky obviously. And so like, we were, we were like, yeah, sure. But this was like, this is a, this show's never being made in anything. So we wrote a bunch of songs and then all of a sudden it was a pilot and we made two of them and we were shooting this huge freaking pilot with Elijah Wood was there and Paul Frank had put up a bunch of money for it. Was that Yo Gabba so Gabba's pilot? It was Yo Gabba Gabba's pilot. Yeah, yeah. So that was the beginning of Yo Gabba Gabba as we just found ourselves all of a sudden in a studio making this huge thing and Nickelodeon bought it. And that was kind of the beginning. And then we wrote on the show for a long time. We wrote a lot of the songs that are very popular, which made me a huge hit with parents in like, let's see, circa 2004. Five, <laughs> I think it was two thousand. So yeah, I mean, you're you're a part of like a huge, a huge thing there. Like that's well, my I wrote a I wrote a song called "Party in My Tummy," which is like humongous, a huge hit for the show. Really? And we wrote a lot of songs, so it's not like I knew this was the one. It's just we wrote a lot. We were like, "Don't bite your friends," "How to Make Your Bed," "Pancakes and Syrup." Like we just wrote all these songs and we threw them out there, and uh, and yeah, that one like took off, took off so much that there was like a book written. Party in my tummy by Yo Gabba Gabba. Like it was just insane. Do you, but here, does your contract make it so that you're you write the song and then it's like, and now I get nothing for the rest of this about me? Yes. Fun. So I could tell you how much money I made for the entire pilot and first season of of Yo Gabba Gabba. And this is not the creators of the show's fault. So I have no problem saying it out loud. It's the system. Three hundred dollars for the for all of that. For all of that, and I never got any residuals for any of it. Three hundred bucks. And if you've ever worked in kids TV, there's like very little union work. No it's like, animation too. It's it's yeah. the union is awful too. Yeah. So it's like it's really hard. And like if you're a writer in animation, I worked at Disney Animation for a couple of years as a writer, and they were like, you kind of get shoehorned into the animators union, and you're and it's like they don't care. They they just don't like you're looked at as the ugly stepchild if you're a writer. But yeah, man. So it's like 
Yo Gabba was great. And then once Yo Gabba hit and became this huge hit, we circled back to the Aquabat Super Show. And because now we could get our foots in the door, you know, like, yeah, you already made a hit, right? Made a hit. It was the number. Oh, I see. Is it? I'm going to get it. D Lance. Is that the guy's name? Like DJ Lance Rock. DJ Lance Rock. Mm -hmm. I see him at Comic Cons all the time. Yeah. But like walking around. Yeah, I don't see him really like as a guest so much as like just a dude hanging out. Yeah, I've seen him at like a lot of cons in Southern California. Is he wearing his orange suit or is he just hanging out? Sometimes, which makes me think that he's there for a professional reason. But I'm yeah, always, but it, every time I see him, he's always just like walking, walking <laughs> the, the hall. And I'm like, hey, I, I recognize that guy, even though I've never seen the show. Yeah, I mean, like he he became like pretty famous, but he was. But what's funny about DJ Lance Rock is like kids, little kids think he's fine. Like he's not their favorite part of the show, but he is like if you were 15 and older, he's like your favorite part of the show for whatever reason. Like we went, when we go to Comic-Con, we had a, a few years in a row where we did panels and we were walking around and like, dude, the only people that wanted to hang out with DJ Lance Rock, none of them were kids. It was all like teenagers who clearly were just like high and they were like, oh my God, it's Lance Rock. They were super excited. He's I a goofy that. dude. It's very fun. Listen, that we made Yo Gabba Gabba. When we sat down and write Yo Gabba Gabba, and I didn't create the show, but I was one of the first writers in the show. When we sat down to work on the pilot and all that stuff, we just wanted to create a show that made us remember how much like we loved Sesame Street when we were little. And like the Muppets, you know, where you'd watch those shows and they just have cool guests on that yeah. you liked. It didn't really yeah. matter if the kids liked them. It was just like, like for Yo Gabba, you know, we had like Rocket from the Crypt on as a, as a guest, the Ting Tings, Steve you Caballero. Had, you, know? you had <laughs> Leslie Hall. Leslie Hall. Uh, and here's the only reason I know Leslie Hall is because, and I can't stand the fact that I'm already bringing her up for a second time. She was like my ex-wife's favorite personality. Really? Like go and see her live. Oh yeah. Like, Hey, there's sparkle gems and stuff like that. It's like amazing. she was obsessed with Leslie and the lies. She is Leslie Hall is one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. If you ever got to meet her, she's, very nice and gets it immediately like she's just awesome yeah. she was great her we, stuff was very funny it's very funny and that's the cool thing i think about yo gabba too is like we had people like leslie hall on who weren't like they weren't famous people you know she was they were viral people at that they point. were viral people who had like a niche following online but it was like everybody in the room was just like what's going to make us laugh the most what's going to be the most silly and fun you know i mean mark mothersbaugh was the guy who taught kids how to draw on the show for god's sake but nobody knew devo you know I, mean? I mean look at look at things like sesame street yeah when they're doing like game of thrones parodies <laughs> and stuff or like yeah. when they're having you know, Brett Goldstein come on from, you know, from Ted Lasso. That's for the parents. It's for the parents. And it's for the actors, to be yes. 100 honest. The reality is it's mo most likely just because it's a dream of the actors to want to come on. Yeah. Well, what we found, too, like once we started filming it and it got even and then it got really popular. So it was easy to get people to come in was that a lot of them just wanted to come because their kids liked the show. So they brought their kids to set and their kids could hang out on set. And we'd like make this whole room for them to hang out in where the, you know, all the characters would come in and hang out with them. Like it was like a huge coup for them if they could come in with their kids, which was always funny. But we all grew up like punk with punk music and 
Southern California, like skateboarding and all that stuff. So like, that's who we would always usually try to go for is like those kinds of guests, like people we just wanted to hang out with uh, always and never got the chance. Like Biz Marquee, oh. for example, I mean, that, that was that something really big for you where you were just like, man, just the work he did, like the stuff he's done. And I know everybody, you know, just a friend. I know that's the thing that everybody says they love the most. I personally cannot stand that song. <laughs> But Bismarck, he is so talented aside uh, from that. Yeah. He's amazing, dude. I mean, The Vapors is probably my favorite Biz song, but like he's, dude, I'll t well, I'll tell you this. We do a quick Biz story. We, he came in for the pilot, which we were like amazed that he came in for the pilot. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, I go in and I can hear his voice. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to beeline over to him and just annoy the shit out of Bismarcky. And he like, He's just chilling with with a couple of friends and they're just talking about college basketball. And uh, I knew enough to stay in the conversation. So we're just talking about college basketball. And he was like super nice. There was just nothing about him that was like, I'm Biz Markey, you know, but yeah. he, he's a giant. He was a giant human being. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to explain it other than to say, I'm guessing he was about six, seven and over Oh, he's going to be, pounds. if he's six, seven with that body, he's going to be like yeah. 350 pounds. Easy. And so like, they were giving everybody shirts who worked on the pilot, like free shirts. And they literally went in there like, what size shirt do you want? And he just said six X. And I'm like, that's, but he, he, he wore big clothes bigger than he should, but, sure, but huge by just, how much. You know? So when he stood up to go film, I was just like blown away. Yeah. When he was I was like, it was very awkward. And then he, uh, and then he, the, the thing he did on the show, like he created that whole thing, like business beat of the day where he just wanted to come and teach kids how to beatbox. Like that was all his idea. They like worked it out before the show. Like every, like everything he wanted to do on the show was his idea. And, it and it was perfect. Yeah. It was so good. And he was nice. I mean, that's the thing about people like that, man, where you're like, man, they could be really be big ass. It could flex on you, yeah. Yeah, but he was so sweet. And then we went, the first Yo Gabba Gabba live thing they did, the Nokia, I think? Maybe it wasn't the Nokia. It was some weird theater that wasn't nice, but it was in LA. But I think they were doing it as like a proving that they could take it on the road or something. I don't know. Anyway, but Biz was there and he comes out. He like makes an appearance. He comes out to do a live business beat of the day. And then he just walks into the crowd with the mic and picks up kids like just children he's oh, just holding so children yeah. and just having them do the beatbox in the mic you know he'll do it and they do it and i was like blow i'm like dude this this is the coolest thing i've ever seen yeah somebody do it he was awesome he was so great and yeah. then my buddy matt who was my writing partner for a long time we wrote pancakes and syrup and one of the last things we that yo gabba ever recorded was biz Markey singing pancakes and syrup and doing it like as this amazing rap. And it was one of those crowning achievements in my life. Yeah, uh, that is rad as hell, man. Just so, so cool, man. But yeah, we had such great guests. Like we, it was such a cool experience. It's coming back too. It's on, it's the shows on Apple TV. Yeah. Or will be as soon. They're making new episodes and stuff. I'm not involved, but no, not at all. They were like, Hey, remember how we were a success? Let's not use any of the people. No, no, I'm fine with it. We, I'm not a good songwriter. Oh, I you didn't write, write songs for the show? No, I did. I I I just wrote lyrics. Did they make man. it on TV? 
Yes, a lot of them. Yeah. Oh, so it seems to me like you might be a better songwriter than you're giving yourself credit for. <laughs> I don't know. I appreciate that, but uh, yeah. I, either Did way, the job get done. No, 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 no. I'm not any weighing this because okay, all right. No, the job got done. Job People got done. Liked it. There, you said before, like you wrote songs that ended up becoming very popular. Yes. So, what rationale do you have for saying that you're not good at writing songs? They're they're dumb songs for two year olds. <laughs> That doesn't mean they're not doing the <laughs> job. That's true. That's true. Man, I, I wasn't prepared for this like positivity. No, but like that, that weird humility where you put yourself down. That's not, I don't f with that because you, you built two, you helped, you were a major cog in helping to build two music based live action programs that are weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank so, you. So I then to look that. back and to be like, ah, I'm not that good at the music thing. It's like really because yeah. the Aquabats liked you enough to take you on tour. That that's led true. to this job, which led to this job. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's don't, a, that's I don't think point. that you, I don't think that you are bad at writing songs. I think that you just, I'm the best. They're not the songs you might listen to. I'm the best songwriter in this house. Let's put it that certainly way. on the Zoom. Certainly. <laughs> yeah i mean i i only bring up that they have for their new series and stuff they have an unbelievable amount of talent to people and i and, I, and I'm, I'm happy that they're coming back and i was really happy with what i got to contribute to the show yeah and you got but, you know dollars for it i got 300 dollars. i got some more money later but oh, thank god yeah they had to you're really like but i did have to stab one of the monsters for it <laughs> i killed broby i yeah. murdered broby <laughs> Just on the set <laughs> choked him out in front of Muno. the uh, first season we ever filmed yo gaba we were at uh downey studios and right. this is a com complete tangent but it made me think about killing Brody. that's the that is the that is the byline of this show okay good jeff has cool friends this is a complete tangent we heard that they were filming the new indiana jones down like i don't know if you've ever been to have you ever been to downey studios i've avoided it yeah <laughs> good for you it's like there it's an old it's where they built the shuttles like nasa had it forever and they built shuttles so they have these huge hangars and they just turn the hangars into movie sets so it's pretty cool but the space race we need a new indiana jones movie. we need a new indiana jones and what's uh, more important we explore the cosmos or we get to see shia labeouf tarzan swinging with some apes well if i had known the movie was going to be maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen. I would have tried to blow up the set. <laughs> Did you ever hear what Harrison Ford says about that? No. Where he just goes, I don't know what you people wanted. He's like, he goes, how is this any more different than Jesus being real and having a magic cup? And I was like, Whoa. all right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you got, he's like, he's like, it was what it was. He's like, we've done stupider things in these movies before. Oh, hard disagree. I, I will. Temple uh, well, of Doom is pretty dumb. Interestingly, you can in Raiders of the Lost Ark, all he does is talk about how he doesn't believe in magic. And then the thing that saves him in Temple of Doom, which happens before Raiders of the Lost Ark, is magic. Yeah, that's a fair point. I well, I mean, like, here's my problem with I and actually years ago I wrote, I used to have this blog, you know, because I was super, super cool. And I wrote this three-paged or not three page three part series about why the crystal skull was terrible and i watched the dvd extras 
on there was the, the complete collection Anna Jones. I watched DVD extras that they talk about Crystal Skull, and dude, it is just Spielberg and Lucas just re-throwing each other under the bus. Like it is one of the most marvelous things I've like ever that. seen. Where it's like, well, you know, George wanted to do aliens, and I had, you know, I've done so many aliens. I was like, I don't really want to do aliens. You know, it just isn't. It's not really what what sounds fun to me or whatever. And then it goes back to George, and he blames. The, it's just like. It's fantastic. I so do it, like that. And which we all know it's George's fault. Like the fact that anybody course. has to be like, oh, okay, George, Stephen had the bad idea. Yes. Yeah. Let's see, look at the, let's look at the scorecard of bad ideas in large budget movies and see how it goes. It's like, oh, well, yeah. You know, yeah. I guess well, Steven Spielberg had like what, two things that didn't work out. Yeah. What were you about you? Oh, God. most everything you did after 1983. I noted. Yeah, it's. It, uh, it, I had no doubt it was George Lucas's fault. Like even watching the movie, just like the feel of the movie felt very Star Wars prequelsy. Very, you know what I mean? very Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like very glossy. Nothing looked real. Like it was just. It just. Uh... I think the part of Indiana Jones is the grit. Like yes, like Indiana Jones shouldn't be filmed digitally. No, like that's the thing. Like, and I know that that's an impractical and expensive thing but like it seems like that should be on 35 millimeter right like that because it takes place in the past it should have that like past grit to it well what's funny is like i remember i remember when national treasure came out and i'm like okay these are these are indiana jones movies that are now better than indiana jones movies like there was just something to it that was a little bit more realistic, not all this CGI craziness. Like just the Crystal Skull was just a video game that Harrison Ford was in. Like that's all it really was. And it was, and it just wasn't Shia LaBeouf ruined the whole thing. I, was I, very, very I, I like Shia LaBeouf a lot. I think, Do you? I think he's a dipshit, but from a talent wise perspective, oh, I think it, incredible. Don't, I'm not saying that he's not talented. I'm saying that his presence on the state on the screen annoys me. Oh, see, I, I don't know. I like him. He was, he was like, look at the, when he plays those supporting roles, like he's fantastic in Constantine. I I, I don't know. I like him. He's a good. Lot. I know he, that he's a talented actor. I'm not saying he's not I, a talented I think he's actor. Super f***ed up. I just also think that he's incredibly talented. He gives me the same vibe I have with Miles Teller where I can't stand seeing his face but he's also very talented they have similar faces too so they that, do have some maybe it's that maybe it's like the structure of their face really turns yeah. me off that could be that that's fair but we were at downey and we 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 stole a golf cart and we went and like got on set on indiana jones's set and it was where they were filming the area 51 thing because they turned one of those hangers into the area 51 thing at the beginning of crystal skull we didn't know what it was about at all you know but we just saw area 51 written and we were like <gasps> we were so excited for like 10 minutes we were just driving around looking at stuff and then we got kicked out obviously but we were so excited area 51 what are they going to find oh my god like it, we the the possibilities were endless and it was the best day I had on set at Yo Gabba was stealing cart and going onto that set and getting kicked off. We tried to find Harrison Ford. Maybe we got kicked out because we literally were driving around yelling Harrison, but that was probably oh, yeah. a yeah, bad that, idea. But you know, we You blew we were, up your own spot, man. Well, it, what if it worked though? What if we were yelling Harrison and he came out? You know what the answer would be if it worked is him going, What? Yeah, exactly. But that would have been worth it. That totally would have been worth oh, it. Oh, getting being Harrison Forded. 
Yes, man. That's Are you like, kidding me? I got Shatnered at a panel because I was introducing him. And uh-huh. I was thinking that, you know, like normally if you introduce somebody when you're not hosting a panel, but you're just doing an introduction, they shake your hand when they walk by you, they nod, they do whatever. And that man, after I introduced, I gave him like the best intro and like the crowd, I got the crowd all fired up. I step back, he walks past me and I swear to God, it's like, I didn't exist mm-hmm. And on stage. I just started laughing when it had like i just yeah because i'm off to the side so he gets up there and i don't think anybody really saw me but i just like doubled over laughing <laughs> as i'm getting off the stage and the person who was like there like the handler is like what's so funny and i'm like that's the best thing that could have happened oh if he yeah had acknowledged me in any way i would have been like oh shatner he wasn't so bad but getting shatnered like that i was like oh my god it's so right it's so true I I met one time in my friend's band opened for bad religion and huge, like one of the first albums I ever owned was no control, but bad religion. They're huge. Like I'm a huge bad religion friend. I've never been around them at all. It's kind of one of those things where I've just avoided them, you know, yeah. but my friend's band was opening for him. I was super excited. We're at house of blues and I'm, we're loading in. So we have to go in an elevator and get back up to the top so we can get more gear. So we go to the elevator and in the elevator is Greg Graffin, lead singer of bad religion. And he's in the elevator and we're like, Hey, can you hold the elevator? And he goes, Nope. And he hits the button to close it and it closes in our faces. It was the greatest, like literally I'm like, that's Perfect. how I want him to be. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. he's this punk overlord, fuck everything. Like that's what I need that guy to be. Yeah. If he would have been like, Oh no, no, come on, come on. Hold on. Mate. You can make it. You can like, that would have been it, the worst. There is something to find out like the reality of people. When, yeah. or especially if you have like an image of them in your head mm. and you're like, Oh my God, it's true. That was yeah. Bourdain was such a dude. He was such a dude. He was just like a guy that wanted to talk about geeky. Shit. Yeah. Like that to me was so much better. Cause when you're just like, he seems like just like a guy you'd want to grill with. And then you're like hanging out and you're like, Oh my God, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that's what I want them to be how I want them to be. Like, I mean, I uh, not to keep going back to my new album, but like I tell a story on that album where I meet Steve Martin. And like Steve Martin is like the reason I do yeah. comedy. You know, he's uh, when I was 12, I think, or 11, I saw The Jerk for the first time. He's like, like ethereal. Yeah, it, it comedy. Like he's he's the ether of comedy. It doesn't it doesn't make sense how good he is at whatever he wants to do. His and it's book it really does explain it. Did you did you read Born standing up? up? Yeah, of course. Where he's just like, I built every skill I possibly could. Well, no, no, and, of course he yeah. works hard, like, but it's like and he's that, like, oh, I learned magic when I was working at Knotts, and I didn't use it again for 15 years. And then I was on a movie set and they asked if I could do this thing. And I was like, I sure can. And you're like, Yeah, man. Yeah, he just seems like I mean, yeah, he's he's just like the the greatest and I would never in my whole life would ever think that I would meet him. And I was doing stand up, and I was do- actually on another plus I was doing a weekend opening for Norm Macdonald and which no in, a, in and of itself was like so much, you know, and there again, a guy who this is what I think Norm is in my head and was exactly that person. All he did was want to sit around and talk about comedy. That's it. Like he just wanted to talk about old comedy mainly like Groucho Marx and Martin Lewis and like those guys. And like, that's where I land. Hey, so you know I'm, who I like is uh, all the dead people. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he would he just sit there and he would just talk and he would like talk. He never didn't talk comedy. Like he would talk about like he would give me tags for jokes. He would ask for my input on his set. And I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to ruin any of your life with whatever I might say. Cause that would you know, be like the heart, biggest heartbreak ever for me to give him a tag and he goes up and it fails, you know? I all right. So we're getting a we're getting a read on you here. And it really comes down to the fact that you're you seem to even though you've accomplished so much, you really don't seem confident in your ability. You're you're on here because I found out you have an album coming out and I was like, we'll come do my show. I want to talk to you because you've done so much cool shit and why not talk about the album? But like you've got the album out. Like you should have been trying to help him because how fun is that? I mean, I gave him, I gave him, oh yeah, you know, but you know, I, it's one of those things. I remember giving it, I did some shows I'm, and I'm sure you know them too, the Squire Brothers. Yeah. I they're did some, great. they're the nicest guys. And I've done a bunch of weekends with them over the years and I've given them tags before and they do it and it kind of fails and I'm like, ah, shit. and then they'll give me a tag and I'll do it and it'll just like work like you know it'll be amazing and huge last time like okay all right so it's kind of like oh go ahead i was working a charity auction at an elementary school when i first moved out here and it was really just a producer was looking for people that needed jobs and i was like yeah let's do it and i had just listened to the sklar brothers talk about like their worst set they ever had it was like a corporate gig so obviously it was bad Mm -hmm. and i had just listened to it like earlier that day and then that night i think it was one of the, I think it was Jason maybe was there mm. and I was like dude I, and I was like he he, he was like kind of like we were talking for a little bit he was asking something and I was like hey man not to be weird but I I literally just just listened to you talking about this worst set and blah 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 he's like really and I was like yeah like earlier today and we ended up becoming like friendly and mm-hmm. he kept like coming up to tell me what he was bidding on and stuff it was like he was like check out this thing i'm getting and i was like yeah it's rad as hell and then yeah. we never talked and this was 10 years ago yeah last year i was at dana gould's wedding and he was there and i oh. was like when i first and i tell him i'm like I, I first moved out here it might have been even 2012 and i was telling him that story and he's like you remember that and i was like yeah man when you move out here when famous people are nice to you, you never forget that. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. forget that because you're like, oh, this person I saw on the TV is nice. And you just assume they're not. You just assume it's going to be a mess. I was wearing an X-Men track jacket that there. And not I had it. a Red Sox hat. I do. I do still have it. And I hear somebody go, dude, that jacket's amazing. And I look up and it is Rob Cordry. And... <laughs> He's from Weymouth, Mass. And I was oh, wearing okay. a Red Sox hat. And he and he sees the hat when I look up and he goes, he goes, oh, my God, I'm from Weymouth. And I didn't say this, but I want to be like, yeah, man, I know. But I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm from the Worcester area. And then he goes, dude, he's like, this is going to sound weird. I really like that jacket. Do you think, do you think I could take a picture of you with that jacket? And I went, do you not understand how celebrity interactions are supposed to go? I need to ask you for the photo. Yeah. yeah. That being said, I never got a photo with him because I didn't want to do that because I was working. But somewhere there's a picture of me and Rob Corddry like in his phone. 
maybe or like that, his assistant I, was told to hunt down the jacket i would adore that he never deleted that photo like if he just has it in his phone maybe and maybe at this point it's now his oldest photo like it's just he scrolls it's back to the top first one <laughs> it's just i'm not you. getting rid of it yeah, yeah, yeah. make sure you sync these up when he buys the phone make sure you sync them up every time someday um, i'm gonna buy this jacket hey i don't know if you knew this but here's the thing is i actually have producers that they give me money. They go to patreon.com slash Jeff May. They sign up for the producer tier. And for an affordable amount of money, I will say their name on a podcast that people listen to. That's very exciting. And not only will I say their name, but I will say whatever the hell they want me to because I am a what? Whore. So <laughs> I want to- uh, That's the best that way to be. Now, if you're listening for free, thank you. I appreciate the shit out of you. But if you want early access to uncensored episodes with bonus content, you can head on over to the Patreon and you can even sign up for the producer tier. And I do actually have a couple, I just re readapted it. So I do have a couple of spots open up. So I would like to give a big shout out to, I know Jeff doesn't even like sports, but James from Michigan got a hole in one. Damn, James, congratulations. Congratulations, if James. Wouldn't that be funny if it wasn't James and it was just somebody that like read about it in the newspaper, you know, and they had those little blurbs like Aww. James Henderson of, of you know. Of, Wait, is that, is, that news, is that newspaper worthy? I think it's what? one of those things in the sport in like the local sports section where if you really? get a hole in one, you can like send it in and they'll like publish it. What in the world? How have I been not I, doing this? I only know that because my barber back home has his little clipping from when he got a hole in one up on it. All right. Well, this is now a new life goal is to go out and get a hole in one and then James, submit it to my local paper. Do you golf? I do. Yeah. I golf. Yeah. Oh, nice. So that's your, finally your goal is to get a hole in one. Yeah. I'm Never a terrible. Before you were playing golf. I'm a terrible golfer. I literally just go, there's a, I don't know, you know, Dustin Nickerson, I know, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dustin and, and myself and James Schrader, we, the, the three of us go golfing quite a bit. They are good. I'm very bad. And okay. I just go to hang out and talk and, and joke and make jokes. Here's how I am at golf. And it's the least surprising thing in the world. I can drive the ball a country mile. Mm. I cannot putt or chip <laughs> to save my life. See, I am the exact opposite. So you're a finesse so guy. I'm a, I, I, my drives suck, always have, but my short game, pretty flawless. I mean, I am just a, I'm a being of brute strength. So like, <laughs> well, you work out, man. I always see you buy, you're always boxing. And stuff. I, I do. Yeah, I did. I did. Before. And, uh, I sparred yesterday and the day right before we were recording. I went I will, uh, six rounds with a tank of a man. Before Luckily, I forget to say this though, and I don't mean to cut you off, but you and Zoltan are the two people who inspired me to start boxing. Really? Because I had a back injury and my and I couldn't go running anymore. And oh. so I was trying to figure out what kind of exercises can I do? And I had a friend who brought up boxing. And then I saw you guys boxing. I'm like, man, that looks like a good workout. It's, and I've been doing it for a year. It's the best. It is the first ex exercise. I was going to say activity. And then I went to say exercise. It's the first <laughs> exercise I've ever done where the pain felt great when yeah. I was done where like every other sport that I had done, like I would do it, but I was like, I hate this. I played football for three years in high school. I hated every single ounce of it. Mm. Once boxing came through, I was like, this is what I was meant to do. This is so much fun. Yeah. So um, fun, man. So but yeah. Anyway. So like, but I am a power, I'm all power. Like when I bowl, I take a 16 pound ball, uh -huh. walk up, 
take a half a step to the right and throw the ball as hard as I can. And that when it hits the pins, they explode. And if they all explode, good. If they don't, I'm screwed <laughs> because I'm not exactly going to be like, do some, one of those like kingpin style curves where it rides yeah. the lane and then cuts in at the last minute. Yeah. It's no, not Jeffrey, I, 16 pound ball. I can't do uh, that either. Anyway, shout out to Bart Fartigan. Shout out to Dan Adamski, world's humblest man. Shout out to Norm from Cheers. Norm. Norm. Uh, shout out to Dan Hackroyd, Mind Freak 555. Andrew, Andrew House Nemesis McGuire. Shout out to check out this month's Nerd with Dre and Jeff. Uh, and it feels uh, like a plug. That felt it like it plug. was Dre. Dre does a show with me called Nerd. He do, it's a monthly show. He we have there's one tier where you can actually co-host a show with me, and That's we amazing. do Nerd. And we're in the middle of our. We do three month three month runs, so three episode chapters, I guess. Mm. You say. And we're doing card games this month. So Sorry, the, card card games like uh, collectible card games. Oh, awesome! So we just did Magic the Gathering which is why I have a big stack of Magic the Gathering cards right here. Perfect. We did Star Wars before that. And then this month, so the month of May, it's going to be Pokemon. Oh. Which I have no knowledge of. So this is actually going to be really interesting to dive deep on that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's neither. a great show. That's Ray awesome. also has been revitalizing my YouTube. Oh. He was like, hey, your YouTube sucks. Give me your sign, your login info. And I was like, okay. And he's just been making it so much better. So like Dre's a damn all-star. That's awesome. Shout out to Dre. Listen to nerd and follow him at nerd numbers. Why not? Shout out to the wandering unpierced left nipple. Shout out to eat and die. Grand Canyon. You ever been Grand Canyon? Yeah. No, man. It's it's actually on the list, but I've. Is it on the list? It is. I just want to go. Why not go? Never. Because it's a hole. Everything's just a hole. Sure. I mean, what did we went? I mean, if if you're looking at everything properly, then yeah, yeah. everything's just everything's just in the way. <laughs> I don't know. The Grand Canyon just seems like if I've seen a photo of it, and then I get there, I would just be like, "Yep." Well, there's yeah, those people who are like, like, who are like, you want to like camp in the Grand Canyon, and that would be interesting to me, like camp inside the Grand Canyon. I I, I want to do something like that. I either want to do that, or I just want to drive by. Oh, look at there it is, and then take off. Yep. Yeah, go outside and you'd be like, "Yep," and then get back in, and then looks like the Grand back Canyon, and then drive to Vegas. Yeah. And be like, hey, here's this, there's lights here. I'd want to be hunted for sport in the Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah. That's what I would like. Like, I want like a surviving the game situation in the Grand Canyon. Yeah. I mean, there's guys who I know that would, what are they? It's, it's racing, I guess, but they like race through the bottom of it. And uh, like, I guess dirt bikes would be the easiest way to explain it. But uh, that seems interesting to me, even though I'm terrible on a dirt bike and can't do it. But, yeah, like, but you, know, have... you know what it is? It's not the Grand Canyon that makes that interesting, it's the bikes. I don't know though. I think it's kind of cool to. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking in a large. No, like if somebody I get was... it. I'm wrong. I understand. I'm wrong. Like, I don't think you're wrong though. You got to No, no, I am. Like <laughs> having me be like the Grand Canyon sucks. It's like, well, there millions of people go there every year. So maybe that's it's just. Have you been to? I'm sure you have been to other like national parks, right? Sure. <laughs> don't you? When you go to them, aren't you like, oh wow, this is pretty awesome? Kind of. But you okay. got also got to remember that I grew up in the country. I grew up on a farm in the country. Oh, so what's like, funny about you is I always assumed you grew up in like a city in Massachusetts. No, 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 no. I grew okay. up in Charlton, Massachusetts, population 11,000. Really? And that's like now. That's not back then. It was way less. 
So I grew up around nature. So like going into the woods and stacking wood and chopping wood and dealing with cows and shit like that, like playing in the gravel pit. That's all shit I did as a kid. Mm. Nature is like work to me because it reminds me like going into the woods reminds me of having to go and sacrifice my weekends to collecting firewood and bringing it, bringing it to my grandfather. Yeah. You know, I can see that. I could see that for sure. So like, I'm kind of not as invested as I could be in that regard. Yeah. Who wins in the what if crossover? We do truly deserve doo-doo suit, Bruce Wayne versus doo-doo suit Wolverine. Due to you, Bruce Wayne from Batman the Animated Series when he used to wear that brown suit all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Wolverine in the brown suit. I mean, I, Wolverine. It's Wolverine. Suit. Yes. Yeah, it's Wolverine. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm more, I'm more like used to that suit. Does that make sense? No, that's that. That tends to be like the suit where the popularity really hit the most. You what know, was Frank, his first suit though? It was it was yellow, right? His, it was first, yellow blue. his first first suit was yellow black with a uh, slight blue highlights, and the instead of having the big wing, it was a very small wing. Mm-hmm, that was the mm-hmm. Hulk one eighty one. And then when they redesigned him for Giant Size X Men number one, he got the larger, but he stayed yellow up until I think John Byrne, and then John Byrne redesigned him with the brown. In the animated series, he was mainly in yellow, right? Yellow, yellow and blue. Yeah, yellow, yellow and black, yeah. Yellow, yellow and black? black? Yellow, black, and blue, yeah. Okay, okay. I was like, Mike, am I seeing colors wrong? Because I remember blue. Blue highlights, but like the black stripes here and yeah. the mask, yeah. Okay. All right, good. There you go. There you go. Shout out to the ghost of Dave Thomas. Shout out to, oh. I haven't had carbs or sugar in a couple weeks, and I fantasize about deli sandwiches now. Mmm. Hey, man, you should allow yourself a little bit of those things, by the way. Like once a week, you should allow yourself a cheat. And I hope you have. I lost a lot of weight a couple of years back. And, uh, and, huh? AIDS? Yeah, yeah, full blown. And uh, the first, you can't be on a diet. You're just eating whatever you want. It's got those T cells got to get fed. And I know I was lost all the way. And I had this diet where I didn't do like carbs or anything like that. Or I did carbs, but like vegetable carbs. Yeah. And it was great. It was, I felt healthy. I was healthy. And then like, there was one day where I made my daughter a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And I'm like, I'm going to have a sandwich, a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And it was the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. Can I add something? Peanut butter jelly sandwich is a decent thing to eat. It's great. No, like it's a, it, especially if you're getting like a, like preserves from like a farmer's market or something like that. Yeah, we do preserves. It's not just sugar. It's not smuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but like if you get a good preserve, Mm-hmm. And like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Remember when they did that? The hot dog, every hot dog you eat takes time off of your life. Yeah. On that same scale, the top of the list was peanut butter and jelly sandwich that added time on. Really? Well, because I didn't if, know that. If you're eating proper peanut butter, as in yep. not Jif, and you're eating proper preserves that's not Smuckers, and you're eating bread that isn't Wonder Bread. Yeah. Like, it's going to fill you up in a very good way. We've been, we're, we're a whole wheat family and, uh, and uh, yeah, we, and we use preserves too. I, but it's funny is it's like when you change it up like that, the taste isn't that different than when you use all the ingredients. You I know what I mean? Like, it actually. I would totally agree. We use apricot preserves a lot for our, yeah. for, for my, the, the kids and uh, man, they're so good. So good. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. You know what I had yesterday? Marmalade. Marmalade. I had marmalade. I had like what what's that like bon vivant or whatever the 
you know that one that has like the checkerboard pie at the french company wow yeah um, yeah had some Why? of that marmalade by, uh, by the spoonful or with something on a on ha I, so what i do is like i'll do half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich where i'll take one piece of bread and i'll put peanut butter on one side and then jelly on the other because mm -hmm. i know i'll eat the full sandwich but i'll also get full enough on half so mm. i'll just do half and i hadn't had marmalade in forever and i was like oh yeah i really like this there's a at the farmer's market i go to they have a marmalade that has chili flakes in it and like I'm okay pro i'm probably gonna grab that yeah you know, that sounds interesting yeah. i haven't had marmalade in a long long time yeah it's great but also hey a person who's not having carbs or sugar allow yourself once a week yeah. to cheat or else when you break you're gonna break hard and it's gonna wreck your life shout out to the scene in meet joe black where brad pitt dies <laughs> all a great producer been producing since the beginning all-time scene that's an yeah. all-time scene yeah uh, Shout out to, hi, your friendly neighborhood mortician here to encourage folks who choose cremation to have a game plan afterwards, either scatter or bury, because mm. it sure is walk awkward finding random cremated remains in a broom closet. I would like to say, yeah, this is one of my top 18 producers that I have on the show. Okay. Granted, I have only 18, but Great. the... This information being delivered, I've had so many people message me and just be like, okay, I did the thing that the mortician told me to do. I like, I, I fixed it into my will or something like that. And I'm like, you have a will, but also like, wow, that's really impressive. Yeah. So shout out to your friendly neighborhood mortician who is giving really great information to a lot of us that don't think of that stuff. I just how do you want to, how do you want to be, what, what is going to happen to your remains? Well, I had a really great option and then I don't know if it's I, I'm going to get cremated for sure, but I wanted, there's a thing where you can get your ashes made into a record of whatever song you want. And I was like, that's kind of cool. But Eat then the do I, by Aerosmith, <laughs> that would be the song, but I, but I didn't want to like, I don't know if that's traumatizing, right? Like, I don't know if my kids are like, oh, here's dad. And they put them on to play a song. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's what song would it be? It would, this is going to sound cheesy maybe, but it'd be my favorite song with Jesus take the wheel. No, I'm just kidding. It would be, <laughs> I'm like, wow, that sucks. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah. No, I, my favorite song is what a wonderful world by Louis Armstrong. That's not a joke. That's legit, legitimately my favorite song of all time. It would probably be that song. I wonder how many people got that Hawaiian dude doing somewhere over the rainbow. Oh, is right. Yeah. Is. I that dude. I bet that dude's got so much cremated remains in his so <laughs> in his songs. Cause that seems like I've been to weddings where they play that. Yeah. And I'm just like, I remember hearing that song for the first time going, this is really cool. And then I like that it. being, yeah. yeah it, but yeah, it, it gets played quite a bit. Yeah. But I don't it's know if I want to do the record thing. What about you? You're going to get cremated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care what happens to my body. If I'm being hundred percent honest, cremate sure. me and, and throw me in a playground. Uh, I don't care. You yeah, know what? My, put me in a and put me in little sacks and then play pitch and hit baseball with it. That would be funny to me because then people would end up inhaling it when they hit it. And that would be funny to me. That is really funny. Yeah. We did. No, my I mom really... wanted, my mom wanted to be her ashes to be spread on a, this mountain, this that overlooks the beach down here in San Diego. And so it was like, it was a big pain in the ass to make it all happen because it's illegal. And so we had to like figure out how to do it. And uh, you know how you do it is you just lie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Throw in a backpack. 
We had we we did little Ziploc bags and then we just walked around the mountain Bomb and, just and em- snack bags. Emptied. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Go into some carry. trail mix. You accidentally eat piece of mom. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it was, you know, that's how we had to do it. There wasn't really another way to do it. I can't imagine. I can't think of like a place that I would want my ashes scattered. There's only one place I've ever thought of scattering my ashes. And so if I don't do the record thing, it would be I want my ashes scattered at the parking lot of El Cotijan in Claremont, which is my favorite Mexican food place. And probably where I have 35% of my fondest memories from childhood. Claremont. Claremont, man, down in San Diego. Hell yeah. Oh, okay. Because I thought you not, not the, the city bottom. Claremont. No, like, no, no, no. Oh, okay. No, there, there's a community in San Diego called Claremont. It's like right Pacific Beach is at the beach. And if you go up the hill next to it is Claremont, which is where I grew up. And like, and I'm like, that would be, that's where I'd want to be forever is in that parking lot. I want my bones turned into a, an amusement park attraction. <laughs> I want to be one of those, you know how like they find out that like back in the day, old carnivals would use like real corpses and they're like scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I want to do that. But yeah, I think there's, I I think that's attainable. If you have a mortician that is less scrupulous, I got to go to this mortician and just be like, Hey, can you like skin me? You don't like (laughs) keep the bones. Like, is that a thing? You'd also have to like find a place that would do it and you'd so you'd have to go to like missouri or something with like very loose i think she's in georgia oh yeah like loose regulation loose yeah you could do it in georgia for sure shout out to mr billy beck shout out to the to be terror bunny thinks you should watch more rutger hauer films Mm. yeah all right that's an opinion yeah yeah that's (laughs) he's in what's the dark knight or what's he batman begins right yeah, he's Hobo with the Shotgun made me sour on Rutger Hauer. Yeah. You got, you soured on Hauer? I soured on Hauer. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the Hauer Sour Hour is what we call that. <laughs> Shout out to ooh, Dr. DNA. Now, if you want to be one of those names that we say and, and me and my guests make fun of you or or talk about you or come up with burial plans about you, yeah. um, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May for all that. I want to talk about the album. Let's. How long did it take you for this material to make it on the album? Because that's, uh, I think, the big question most people have about comedy albums. Okay. So, I'll, well, let me let me preface a little bit. The So I we, we met doing stand-up, uh, obviously. And uh, we have a mutual friend, Connor, who, who has put us on several shows together. I, he also um, introduced me to my favorite edibles. He, he does that. He really does do that. Emerald Sky peanut butter cups. <laughs> He's always got treats. I... So I was doing, I still do stand up from time to time, but anyway, I started doing storytelling, like live storytelling shows, like the moth kind of a thing down in San Diego. I started doing it like about 10 years ago during the lockdown part of the pandemic. I didn't want to do zoom shows. I didn't want to do parking lot shows and I wasn't really missing stand up. And so I was like, you know what I do miss though, is stories telling stories on stage in front of people. And uh, so I had all these recordings from the last 10 years of stories that I've done in that span. So I put out an album during lockdown because I'm like, this is a way for me to make some money without having to go out on stage and do it. And, uh, and then it did really well. So that album is out. Now is that rough drafts, rough drafts? Yeah. Yeah. We miraculously, it was like number two on iTunes for a while, which was amazing. Couldn't be during the pandemic right under Bo Burnham. 
right under Bo Burnham. Could not, could not crack that nut, man. No, you're not going to do that. Not during the pandemic. Nope. And so was there, but it was great. And the reception to it was great. And so I was like, okay, well, I have more stories and I'm in it. So it kind of took me to put it all together and decide what goes where took me about six months. And I know that's not the same as like doing like material, but like what I had to do was like, some of the stories were old and the audio was just so terrible that I'm like, okay, I need to rewrite these and re-record them. So it was like going out, finding the shows, finding the venues to re-record it. And this one has a theme of like basically all the bridges that I've burned in my yeah. careers. <laughs> the album cover is animation of it's called the the album's called I Didn't Start the Fire and Other Lies. And it's a burned bridge. Yeah. With you in front of it being like, oops. Oopsie doopsie. Oopsie. Yeah. So and okay. You'll so, notice alcohol beer is yeah. trying to put the fire out, but it's not doing it. That's uh, it's all metaphor. So this is the tracks are individually recorded as opposed to one one hour show being recorded is that right yes they're all their own stories yep all right that's, yeah. that's interesting that that well, reminds me a lot of like main humor like like the like the state yes yeah they're like main humor is not comedy it's like humorists mm -hmm, i've noticed mm -hmm. you call yourself that on your website i believe right I think I call myself a satirist, but I could say humorist. No, you wrote you on your own website. Dallas McLaughlin is a writer, performer, comedian, and humorist. There you go. All right. Great. Yeah, but isn't that the problem? I feel that way because like, again, bringing it back to Steve Martin, I don't know if you'd call Steve Martin a comedian anymore, but I think you could call him a humorist. Like, I feel like he just does a lot of things in the world of comedy that you, but you couldn't categorize him as a comedian. Like Dave Barry. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's or Amy Sedaris or something like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Amy Sedaris, I think is a great com. And, and like for stories, everybody for stories and comedy, everybody right now goes, Oh, so like what Birbiglia does. And I was like, kind of. And one of the things Shrewsbury, that very Massachusetts, Mike Birbiglia, by the way, did not know there's so many people over. from Massachusetts. Huh? There's so many comics from Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have to do that. We, because we fight or we die. So you either fight or you're funny enough to not get beat up. Those are like your your only options. Oh, man. Well, then you do both. You're funny and you box. So you're yeah, ready to go back. I started back. funny. And then I was like, maybe I should do the other one for a little uh, bit. Yeah. I, I, with the thing that Berbiglia did that I thought was, I mean, I think he's really great, brilliant. And But what I was happy is that he got, you know, very well known for doing that. And I was like, that's awesome, because then there is a comp that I can give people to be like, yeah, this is kind of what it's like. It's not entirely that like, you know, he he still has a lot of flavor of stand up in it where I feel like mine is a little bit more narrative, my stories. But like, I was just happy to have somebody out there doing it that anybody gave a crap about, because it is hard, like doing these individual stories is also different. And at one point I did a, a couple of years ago, I did an hour long show. And then next year, I'm I'm currently writing an hour long show that I'll do next year. And they're kind of like one man shows, you know, whatever, but yeah. not really. It's, it's not like, you know, like, and then at the end, like I learned my lesson, like it's not, you know, so it's, so anyway, the, this album, every story is different. Most of them are recorded in different places, definitely different years, but like they all share a common theme and 
it is interesting. It is interesting earlier that you were like, oh yeah, you're really bad at being confident, which I am really bad at being confident. And maybe it's because most of these stories are me, you know, being confident and then something tell somebody telling me to oh, fuck yeah, off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, was it hard to maintain audio consistency on something? Oh God, like yes. Because like that's the one thing I'd be a bit nervous about would be releasing an album where everything is recorded in a different place. So like did you like hire somebody to like mix the audio so that it all kind of matched up with volume tone and and yeah it, it for the most part it's very close the problem with a lot of these audio recordings is like you know like the first story on this album was done eight years ago and it was before even the show that i was at started caring about recording audio you know so it was like there wasn't a lot you could do to manipulate it yeah and so the, there's a couple of those that are in that situation there's a story i tell on the album about working at SeaWorld, and the audio file was corrupted and it definitely sounds messed up. However, I went and re-recorded it because I'm like, okay, I need to get a cleaner audio of this story. And I went and re-recorded it. And although it went really well at the re-recording, like very well, there is something about that first show mm -hmm. that I'm like, the vibe in that first show was just the vibe that needs to be on the album. You're like, man, that vibe of me not having two kids. <laughs> I really missed that vibe from that first album. Uh, no, well, was... so much has happened to you since so much has happened that time for the first time. And so I get it. Like I look back at a lot of material that I wrote when I started and I was like, you know, 30. Mm -hmm. And God, I started so late. Um, I started at I started doing stand up at 32, if it makes you feel better. It does. Yeah, um, I did. Granted, I haven't I don't have the credits you have, which is why I have a Patreon. That's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Which is why 18 people give me money to no, 18 people if 18 people buy this album I'll, I'll be happy dude i i like revamped my patreon and like there are different tiers and one of the tiers because i've been doing opening packs of sports cards and then non-sports cards like mm -hmm. cards. and like there's one tier where i get to mail to people like I make them care packages basically and send them that's amazing yeah. it's the most fun i've ever had doing this well, did you like, know? Do you know that I host a, a a baseball card opening show? You do pack breaks. I co-host. Yeah, it's just it's called Tox Chrome. You do Chrome. Well, no, it's just the name of it. Tox Chrome. We, we picked when yeah, Tops Chrome. We picked Tox Chrome. But it's me and my buddy Sean O'Donnell who's in that band Yellow Card. And oh, see, he, he's not the one from Rhode Island, is he? No, 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 no. No, he's from Southern California. Nacken, uh, the violin player. He's from. You're Rhode thinking Island. about it. yeah? No, not him. You know Sean was I in the band. Him? he's a girl I graduated with cousin. Very nice. But if you notice, like if you look above me, mm -hmm. there's like boxes of garbage oh, man. kids and DC cards. I've got, yeah. I've got so many packs of 91 Donruss and 92 OPG. Dude, that's amazing, man. I have we, so much, I have so much junk wax, dude. I have Oh so yeah. We don't much. really, we don't do. Oh, you we, do modern. The last episode, we not the last episode, two episodes ago, it was all about how, because Sean buys all the cards. He's he's pretty wealthy, or his wife is anyways. So he buy they buy all the cards, and then we just jump on Zoom and talk shit. It's mainly just talking shit. Do you get to open the cards, though? He he opens the cards. But you don't. Uh, I have cards that I've, I've filmed my own thing. I, I do a thing on the channel called Helton's Hits, where I pretend that I'm Todd Helton's Todd brother. Helton. No, that is, I'm his brother, and that half the show is just me complaining that he's not in the hall of fame but then i do open cards on that Padres, so i do that. Is that what you is that your team 
obviously. It's my team, but I don't really care. I have a I, I one pack in one pack. I got I hit a Tatis rookie. The yeah, so that was pretty. Was it like rookie. a special variant or just a, a base set? It's the base Tatis rookie, but it's still you know if he can if he can turn it back on, it'll be a nice little chunk of change. Yeah. But that's awesome, man. I love that. Opening cards is so much fun. It's so much fun. We're going to, yeah, really you know, is. we'll we'll talk more about that because we've got bonus content. You should come on Tox Chrome at some point then. It'll be fun. I'd love for you to do that. That would be a blast, man. I, I've been having such a fun because we do, you don't even like sports cards on the Unpopular Opinion Network. So me and Adam Todd Brown, I drive up to his place in San Pedro and we just open cards. That's like, great, dude. I just picked up this box of 88 Tops football oh. stickers. Whoa! I'm so excited to open these. I do a sh- I do a segment on the show called because there's usually that guy Jansen Junk. I don't know if you know Jansen Junk. He's a young player. I think his name is funny, so I do a thing called the Jansen's Jansen's Junk's card. Yeah, and I just find a card in my collection that like sucks, like this guy Dan Ass. Don Ass or Don Ass? Sorry, Don say, Ass. Dude, you want to know something? Please. One of my producers that I went to high school with, and we used to make fun used that as one of the producer names for like the longest time. That's Don really Ass. funny. Don so you can Ass. go to old episodes of Jeff has cool friends and be, and you can hear Don ass. Don ass. That's so funny. That's a 90 year. Jay baller. Uh, it's a score. It's an 80, 88 score. Oh, that was 88. Don ass. Jay baller. This was the 91 tops. That's the, that's 88 tops or 88 tops. Thank you. I just said 91. Yeah. Anyway. But That's yeah, so but great, dude. we'll talk, we'll talk more about that. Cause we got bonus content coming, but for now the album, like, so yeah, yeah. what's like release? Is it out? It's like, out. You can get it on Bandcamp, dallasmclaughlin.bandcamp.com. It's and that's sh- the preferred way to do it, right? Financial. Yeah. Well, listen, I had an album. I had a stand up album on Spotify for four years. And I think I probably made no joke, a hundred something dollars. So After four people years, buy your album on Bandcamp, you'll make the same amount. I'll make that same amount. And like, here's the th- cool thing about Bandcamp and what people do. I think that's also nice is that I, I think I have it up for seven bucks on Bandcamp. My old album is also there for four dollars, but I have it up for seven bucks, and you can pay what you want. You know, like more than seven dollars. And people, a lot of people do, man. A lot of people just go for ten. Or I had a buddy who who bought it for twenty. It's like, well, it's like when Radiohead awesome. released in Rainbows. And yeah, you pay what, pay you, what want. you want. Yeah, yeah. And and people end up usually paying more, which is awesome. And Bandcamp is great that you know your revenue share, if you don't know, Bandcamp is so much better. It's like if you pay if, if you buy it for seven dollars, I get like five dollars. And that's huge, you know. So like Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff, you know, I get like a penny. The reason that Mint on Card is a free show is yeah. because we go by donations and we make so much more money for the comedians. Yeah, doing a free show where we're like, you guys don't have to pay anything. If you want to give money, go ahead. And we've been paying for a free show in a toy store. We've been paying out like I think the last show we did, we were paying out forty bucks a comic. That's awesome. Ten minute set in L.A. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's great. Most of the time that happens, though, I think most of the shows I've been on where they pass the bucket, you know, so to speak. I usually end up walking away with more than if I. Went to a club and did it headlined a Wednesday, you know? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. It's the, there's the overhead is whatever. I mean that anyway, Bandcamp. Bandcamp. No, it's all right. DallasMcLaughlin.Bandcamp.com is where you can get the new album. And if you want the old album there, it's great. Apple music. It's not on Spotify. I don't put them up on Spotify. It's, 
it's a pain. It's dumb. Not worth it. It's not what there's no, you don't make any money. And right now there's that whole thing with like copyright issues where they were, they were like, they weren't giving anything labeled comedy, any kind of a copyright share. You know why? Because they're an evil company. Yeah, they're back. See this as somebody who is using them to really because I used Anchor and then Spotify yeah. bought it, um, mm-hmm. and I use Spotify. I hate Spotify. Spotify's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, I uh, use, I use Pandora for music. By the way, I don't I use, use Apple Spotify for music. I use Apple Music in the Apple's a bad company. I mean, like we use Amazon. Amazon's a horrible company. You know, you just it's like you can't, but Spotify for art for artists, Spotify is the worst company for artists. Unless your name is Joe Rogan, you're pretty screwed. And so it's which like is why it's so bad for artists. Which is why it's bad. They gotta pay all that money to Joe Rogan's else. got your money. Yeah. He, no doubt. There's no doubt. Joe Rogan um, has got your money. Don't you worry. Yeah. So that's where you can get it. And it's all stories, man. It's like, I did a I had a buddy of mine who's a DJ and he like remixed one of my stories, um, which I thought was kind of silly and stupid, but it turned out being one of my favorite things I did on the album. There's like a hidden track. (laughs) I wish. So it is cool how he does it, but yeah, yeah, it's Uh, fun, man. Dallas McLaughlin. I didn't start the fire. Go to Bandcamp, everybody. Go to Bandcamp. Check this out. Dallas is so fun, so cool, such a great background. You know, it's it's. I know we we we're running late on time, um, mm-hmm. but you know, we didn't even really get to dive too much into the Aquabats. Um, oh, that's that's how tangents happen, baby. That's but, how it happens, man. Here's what I will say: several of my former cool friends are huge fans of the Aquabats and have done like art for them. Oh, wow. So it's very funny to see somebody that worked on him from a different side. Something like, Michael, the... like Dave Perillo, Ian Globinger, I think Scott Derby as well. They've all done artwork for the Aquabats live. Well, we can talk about it on the bonus content if you want. We got we got we got Bone Con coming through, but Dallas, what else? Like where else can people find you other than at DallasMcLaughlin.com? That's D-A-L-L-A-S S. Yeah. M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N dot com. Dal ass McLaughlin. Dal ass Mick Laughlin. Most people go, oh, did you put laugh in your last name because you do comedy? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why I did it. Oh, people think I have a stage name. Oh, well, yeah, I could see that, though. I could see, like, because it's so clean. Your name is so clean. He's actor energy, but I, I, (laughs) not. it's my real name. It's just that I have very uninventive white parents. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's where, that's where you can go. You can find me on Instagram at Dallas, Dallas McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter. I don't tweet much, but there you go. Okay. <laughs> if you that's want, it. so if you enjoyed this show and you came here just for Dallas and you've never heard my stuff before, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to come to Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May, where you get early access to uncensored episodes of this show with bonus content, as well as access to Patreon exclusive shows like Ugg Fine with Kim Crawl. You can come check out Nerd with Dre Alvarez, which is also on this channel. So if you're subscribed to the channel, make sure you do that. From that point in time too, I also have my new show i must break you which you can watch on my youtube which is also at hey there jeffro which is also my social media accounts so at that point in time i have so much crap going through you can also hear tom and jeff watch batman on the gamefully unemployed network as well as unpopular opinion and you don't even like sports both on the unpops network as well as you don't even like sports cards 
which is on the Unpopped. I believe we're actually moving it to the You Don't Sports YouTube page, which is really funny. From that point in time, of course, you can also hear me live the second Friday of every month at Mint on Card at Blast from the Past on Magnolia in beautiful Burbank, California. So that's fun. Other than that, thank you so much and bye. Hey, everyone. Our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at TroyNababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.